If you weren't aware before, now with the onslaught into American pop culture of Squid Game. Squid Game. Even if you haven't seen it, you most likely have heard of it. It's a series on Netflix. (laughs) Congratulations, Reg. It's a squid. Enter an audio-visual experience like like no no other. Underground rap at its realist. Just because Exactware has a setting does not mean that they're promoting the use of it. So you may not be aware of Squid Games. Squid Game. Many contractors feel like in the world of insurance claims that this is commonly the narrative. You're, you're nuts. Helping you shorten your dang learning curve. Annoying but helpful. One of the games that insurance companies play or have been playing. I'd like to play a game with you. Yeah. Is using the new construction price list. The the whole new construction. In Xactimate and applying it to remodeling or restoration. I would never use that pricing myself for anything except for ground up builds. Squid Game. Home of the Dojo Nation. We reached out to some of your peers in the restoration industry, including Tony Yost, David Dickerson. It's a full gut on the inside. The Xactimate white paper says some of this may fall under new construction. And Ben Justison. Yeah. To talk about Squid Game. Bottom line on new construction, what, what do people need to know about the position statement for the new construction? And how that's designed to help the everyday restore. In the first point, it talks about how it differs substantially from new construction. And it goes through quite a few uh, examples. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. We're just giving some of the very common, understandable things that everybody would know. The Dojo Podcast. You're, you're nuts. Of Squid Game. Squid Game. It is Netflix's most watched series, becoming the top viewed program in 94 countries and attracting more than 142 million member households and amassing 1.65 billion viewing hours during its first four weeks from launch. Squid Game. The, the, the core idea is there's people that are down on their luck and someone comes up with them with a proposition they go on this show to um, play a series of child games. Squid game. Children's games. Uh, but unbeknownst to them, if you lose, you die. Some of you may die, but it's a sacrifice I am willing to make. So it's a little bleak, a little macabre, if you will. But... Um, Many contractors feel like in the world of insurance claims that this is commonly the narrative. Squid game. No, plenty of contractors that won't touch insurance work. Never have, never have, never have, never will. Squid game. Never have, never will um, for that purpose. And then many contractors who are engaged in that realm um, and, and feeling like more and more the games are getting harder and harder with di- more and more dire consequences. It's really hard. It's one thing to play games as long as the rules are clear, 
they are um, consistent and the accountability is across the board that all parties have to play by the same rules. Hello, I'd like to play a game with you. We call this the restoration triangle, right? So you have the insured, the customer, the policyholder, someone who has been damaged, as Pete Consigli says. Pete Consigli, Global Watchdog. Then there's who's paying, the insurance carrier, the carrier representatives. Traditionally, this has been licensed adjusters who physically go to the loss, and more and more, that's less and less the case. Squid game. And then you have who's fixing, the um, contractor of record. One of the areas that's rather interesting Squid game. is this question of who is best qualified to determine what a fair and reasonable, fair and reasonable, fair and reasonable price is. I think it's important. We call it the standard at the Diojo. Most of this terminology we didn't come up with, but maybe in this sequence, where the expectation should be to restore the structure to resemble pre-loss conditions with materials of like kind and quality, no more and no less. Annoying but helpful. Yeah. What would you say you do here? here. The Diojo Podcast. You're, you're nuts. You know, this position statement for the new construction, this is not just uh, a statement against uh, a new construction setting. This is a statement against global pricing adjustments, period. Even if it's contractors that arbitrarily increase their entire price list by, you know, a certain percentage, that's, that's not what we're, we want to encourage uh, as an industry association. It's, it is arbitrary, arbitrary, arbitrary. And so we do not want carriers to do the same thing. And contractors get upset when the carrier side does it. So we need to... Uh, we need to make sure that we're not either. I think I posted that recently was, um, you know, if, if, uh, if we agree, I think we would all agree the adjuster doesn't get to say that's not approved just because I say so. I think most right. contractors would agree with that, right? Arbitrary. But we don't <laughs> then conversely get to say it is approved just because I say so, you know, right. contractor. Arbitrary. The insured and the Contractors shouldn't be trying to achieve betterment or maximize the claim unjustly. Squid game. Without founding, you know, that's considered betterment, and that's not what insurance is supposed to be for. You know, to, to insurance's credit, it's supposed to be to restore you to pre-loss conditions, materials of like kind and quality. Now, the contractor and the insurance carrier should not be uh, colluding to minimize the claim unjustly either. Squid game. Where, you know, skimping on materials or playing games with scope um, or playing the volume game at the sacrifice of, of real quality. Um, you know, and, and insureds, policyholders, homeowners, business owners aren't in the clear either. It's not like uh, they don't play their own set of games you know, well, I think this was damaged as well. You're, you're nuts. Or it was a higher grade, or can't you throw that in, or oops, <laughs> that was broken too. Shout out to our sponsors. Um, so the elevator opens and Mark's in there, just let it pass.
Yeah, yeah. Yes, <laughs> literally. You basically help run the whole convention, right? Yeah, so I'm the chair of the planning committee. So we run the annual convention. I've been on the committee for about three or four years and I've been chair this these past two years. So you, you're the Angela of the RIA. I know you did it! <laughs> is that- I actually am kind of Angela. So, <clears throat> yes. What is the difference between a convention and a conference? So ours is both. Oh, okay. And I think the difference being whether or not you have a trade show floor. And since we do both education and credits where people can like earn continuing ed credits because of the education piece and have the the trade show floor with our vendors there, we're both. I don't know if that's official. Don't quote me on that. I I just made that up. (laughs) (laughs) If you're the Angela... I know you did it. But then it's it's <laughs> official, official it's and notarized. <laughs> <laughs> when did you become involved with the RIA and how did you get snookered into uh, running that? I can't, I can only imagine that there's a ton that goes on behind the scenes. So I actually got involved just as a desire to get more involved in the industry, right? I had been in it for so long, but yeah. was like, we were very much in our own little bubble, similar to literally half the other people that serve on a committee right now. Uh, was riding in an elevator with Mark. <sighs> he said, uh, hey, I heard you want to get more involved. And I was like, what? Okay. I think about with RIA, you have different ways that RIA has addressed various yeah. challenges that then change how we approach those in our business now. And then like, this committee called me and I was, I was on the committee. Like so um, the elevator opens and Mark's in there. Just let it pass. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> literally. Looks like a Christmas tree. You're like, yeah, uh, I'm the one that sent you several emails and you need to fix your convention conference. And then, <laughs> okay. You're, I hadn't, I hadn't even volunteered <laughs> problems. I know you did it on your, um, Edward H cross law offices of Edward cross notepad. Is that, uh, mm-hmm. Someone says, I don't know if I should go to a convention or a conference. And you would say. I have a solution. You can go to both in one fell swoop. (laughs) It's so much fun. Mm. I mean, like we literally have the best people in our industry. Um, If you don't know anyone, you will. By the time Mm -hmm. you leave, Mm -hmm. Um, somebody will come up and just start talking to you. You'll get pulled into a conversation. The first time I went, I didn't have any like buddies there. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? And somebody I barely knew, like, was like, just come with me and like. Yeah. Went out to dinner and I had a million things to do. Right. So the reason I volunteer, yeah, yeah. volunteer for free. Uh, <laughs> I, sure. I, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> in this industry, my, my dad um, was, was a restorer when I was growing up. And so uh, we're a second generation family business. And this industry has always provided for my family. And mm. just my style of, of living, I don't want to take and take and take. I want to give. Yeah. And so important for me to give back and to leave it better for the next generation that comes along. So um, I also like to just be involved. I like to feel like I have a place where I belong in a community that I'm a part of. I'm just a big believer in community. So um, this restoration community, you know, it's just amazing. You can have just wonderful relationships with people across the country um, and, and in other countries. Um, so for me, I volunteer because the the relationships that I'm able to build with RIA, uh, they're just invaluable to me and they help me in my business all the time. 
you know, when we put together the education and we we look at the vendors who are applying, there really is truly a focus on making sure our restoration contractors are going to get something out of this. Yeah, this yeah. is an investment. This is forward thinking. This is you're taking the time out of your business to come spend time with this group. We want to make sure you're walking out the door with something. You have to come away to be able to make you, your company, your staff better. Yeah. Um, and I think that is that goes into everything we do. So that wasn't something I was 100% aware of. It's uh, for restorers, by restorers, right? I mean, there's yeah. a small staff at the RIA that's paid, but uh, yes. the majority of the people that are involved are restorers that are giving up their time, not paid, not paid to get there, not paid to do anything there. There's no hourly invoices or anything like that. And so it is uh, by restorers, for restorers. And this year it's in Reno. Reno, Nevada. The Vegas of North Nevada. I'm just goofing. New boot goofing. Oh. That's uh, April 11th through the 13th, right? <clears throat> awesome, Kelly. Um, well, any other words of wisdom and advice to the nine people listening to this podcast? <laughs> like, if you're on the fence, come experience it once you'll, yeah. you'll keep coming back. I'd say, get it in your schedule, get it in there, get it booked before I want to say March 19th when prices maybe go up again or March 9th. Okay. Um, but it truly like, we are a wonderful group of people. So it's really a lot of fun to be in the room with everyone. Mostly wonderful people. Mostly. I mean, we all know who the stinkers are. And we've got a cast of beautiful characters here. This thing is like one big blended family, you know, where you've got blended family issues. You got a couple of crazy uncles. You got John, the intentional restorer showing up here. I, I just realized how bad the optics are here. A lawyer with the shark, like right over his shoulder. I uh, mean, you set this up like It was this. intentional. You, you, the intentional restorer said, be very, very careful going on a live broadcast with this man because he might get you in trouble in the process. You have to come away to be able to make you, your company, your staff better. Yeah. Um, and I think that is that goes into everything we do. I remember specifically seeing you last year and being like, I need to go introduce myself. And then your fan base just, you know, I couldn't get through. Yeah, it's more like, uh, more like security, uh, he's back. <laughs> <laughs> he's scaring <the> customers. <laughs> <laughs> So this is interesting with regards to that question of who is best qualified to um, help determine what a fair and reasonable price is for repairing the home during an insurance claim. You might be shocked to know that State Farm says the most appropriate way to estimate the replacement cost of your home is to hire a building contractor or other building reconstruction professional to produce a detailed replacement cost estimate. Interesting. So what is my source there? Here it is. Statefarm.com forward slash simple dash insights. It's in an article. What is the difference between replacement cost and market value is to hire a building contractor to produce a detailed replacement cost estimate. You might not be that surprised to read, then it says, or your State Farm agent can help you by utilizing an estimating tool from Exactware Solutions to assist you with an estimate. Often the tool used to help 
come to a standardized pricing, a baseline price is Xactimate, the estimating software. A series on Xactimate. No, God, please, no! Xactimate. 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 Sessions. Annoying, but helpful. Yeah. No! But what more and more people are coming to recognize uh, in the contracting world, uh, and RAA, uh, the Restoration Industry Association with the uh, Advocacy and Government Affairs Committee, the AGA, has put out a position paper on this um, prior to the one that we're going to talk about today, which is the new construction price list. But Exactware notes that its software is not intended to be the final say in any claims cost assessment as their published price list is not intended to account for or provide costs for every potential item. Xactimate therefore provides users the full, full capability to create and or modify any costs as needed to match the conditions of the specific job or their company. So, it, you know, it comes back down to that... Uh, where the contractor plays a role in thoroughly documenting the details of damages to the structure, what we call data capture, and translate that information into an estimate with which accurately reflects the scope of work that needs to be completed, the data input. So quality scope equals thorough, da thorough data capture and accurate data input. You're, you're nuts. So one of the games that insurance companies play or have been playing I'd like to play a game with you. Is using the new construction price list. The, the whole new construction. In Xactimate and applying it to remodeling or restoration. I would never use that pricing myself for anything except for ground up builds. Squid game. We reached out to some of your peers in the restoration industry. Uh, so you started in 2011 as a water tech, is that right? Swinging a hammer. Nice. This is a conversation I had with Tony Yost. He is with Elemental Estimating and Consulting out of St. Paul, uh, Minnesota. Yeah, I uh, let's see. I started in 2002. I answered an ad for carpet cleaning and then ended up um, getting on a mold remediation team. So yeah, yeah, I've kind of done it all except for become a carpenter. So okay. So the the whole new construction thing, I, I would never use that pricing myself for anything except for ground up builds. And um, I was working on a, on a claim, writing an estimate for some fire damage. My estimate was about 340,000 and uh, the insurance company came in about 260 and told me that I had to use new construction pricing. What is going on? What are you doing? To which I very politely told them, no way, yeah. not happening. Um, so it became a, somewhat of an argument that, that went on for a while. And eventually the homeowners just kind of, they, they took the control of the situation and just said, we just need to get our house back. Let's just move forward regardless of what the pricing is. And they understood the financial liability that that put them at because my, my price isn't going to change just because somebody else is using some price list that doesn't exist in my world, quite frankly. Yeah. Did you, you did the MIT. And then you're providing an estimate for repairs, yours using Xactimate, I'm assuming? Correct. And so you're at 340, you're feeling like it's justified, it's line item out, I'm using your pricing. <laughs> Did you say the whole house was impacted? You're basically gutting yeah, it? Yeah, um, so split level, attached garage, five bedroom, full gut, 
um, except the garage, but then also siding and roofing and trusses as well. So yeah. it's not like we're talking about just finishes. I mean, it's, it was windows, siding, and they were at 260, which was for a five bedroom house. I, yeah. So in that situation, you've written your estimate. The, uh, the adjuster comes out and writes their, did they actually come out and write an estimate or did they just take yours and then apply new construction? Oh, no, he absolutely wrote his own estimate. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a step up. I'd like to play a game with you. What did they say about the justification for using new construction or why they felt that applied? Labor efficiencies and exact mate state that, um, you know, if it's a new construction environment that your labor efficiencies should be able to accommodate that type of environment. And I mean, they're not taking into account a lot of the other things that we have to do when we're doing restoration. So um, I felt like it, it didn't matter. Every, I even got statements from other adjusters from other companies and state farm adjusters as well. This, this guy, he was, he was one of the first, I want to say, to start trying to institute this sort of thing. Yeah. So um, I got adjusters from other companies saying they would never use that pricing unless it was ground up construction. And then I actually got some other state farm adjusters to say that they don't even use that pricing at all. And uh, the guy still, he still wouldn't budge. Squid game. We're going to switch over periodically in and out. Uh, this next guest that we're bringing on is David Dickerson. He is a senior estimator out of the San Francisco Bay Area in California. So we're going from journey with me from Minnesota over to the Bay. Um, we are heavy TPA on my okay. company, the company I work for. Um, but I still get myself involved in a lot of losses with State Farm. Okay. Um, their position is, now this is not the adjusters. This is the mucking box over, over in Estimatics their little review department is that if it's a full gut on the inside, the exactly white paper said some of this may be fall under new construction. Squid game. So as I'm recording this, I'm also working on the article that will hopefully accompany this in one of the trade magazines, but new construction sounds easy enough to define, right? It's new. It's a plot of land serving as a blank canvas for the contractor to build a new structure from the ground up. While our goal would not be to denigrate this effort, um, it's inherently more straightforward than removing existing non-new materials and structures for the purpose of then tying into that structure to repair, remodel, and or repurpose the space. Blending old with new produces a host of unique challenges. I don't think anyone in construction would argue that. To be clear, the new construction price list is not arbitrary, but its use by some carriers meets the definition of based on random choice or personal whim rather than any reason or system. Squid game. You may or may not be surprised to hear that Exactware has been vague on the scenarios for which the new construction price list was intended to be used. From the Exactware white paper on pricing methodology summary 2021, it states... Total ground-up reconstruction, or in some cases portions of a large partial loss, can be addressed by selecting the new construction labor efficiency in the estimate parameters window. This efficiency utilizes the same cost for material and labor rates, but employs a higher productivity rate for labor and therefore a slightly lower labor cost in many trades. Some of you may die. 
but it's a sacrifice I am willing to make. I mean, there's there's a lot of gray there, like our friends here, peers are saying. Uh, there's inherently issues related to remodeling and restoration when you're tying materials in together. Um, and that's something that we will discuss that is addressed in the position paper, the pricing position paper from the Restoration Industry Association from the AGA. What are you know, the, the supporting events and the yield um, and how that applies to construction, reconstruction versus uh, new construction pricing. So I will do my best. We're here with uh, Ben Justison out of beautiful Moses Lake, Washington. I think, John, what we might want to do is maybe another little episode and, and we have some visuals for people. Yeah. Because that, I think, would help uh, help others understand exactly what's included. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's certainly something that I teach in my classes. I think it's, you know, advanced ninja type stuff, right? Uh, cause most people don't dive into it, but if, if you were to go to the, in the grouping pane, if you were to go, uh, where you put in your line items and at the top, go to the supporting events tab in exact uh, there you will find, if you've already completed your estimate, you will find all the supporting events for each individual trade that uh, you put in line items for. Uh, so in there, you will find planning time, drive time, which uh, an important note is as of March of this, uh, this year, uh, they changed the drive time from 30 minutes to 60 minutes and that is a round trip so before they were only giving you 15 minutes to get there and 15 minutes back now it's a 60 minute round trip so you are getting 30 minutes there and 30 minutes back which i don't care if you're in a rural area or a metro area 30 minutes is a much more reasonable amount of time to get to the job site 15 minutes um I, I might be able to fill up my truck with gas and, and get on my way, but I'm certainly not at the job site. Yeah. So um, that, that was a significant change. Uh, here's something that I didn't necessarily agree with, but this is what they did. You will see a decrease in the labor rates that month. So what they did is it gave you more time, but they decreased the labor rate, essentially uh, making the price point moot, right? It, it's the same. It's a, a so net zero. It's a net zero. Squid game. So most people did not notice it. Yeah. Um, but because they did that, and there have been, in, in most cases, I, I will say that there are some places across the country that have not had many significant changes in their, in their labor rates. However, most of the country, I can say that confidently, most of the country has had increases in their labor rates, especially in the last couple of months. So what that does is um, now that you have more drive time per an eight hour period and you have a higher labor rate, uh, you're actually doing much better as a contractor with the changes that ExactWare made. Um, that's an example of a universal change that's not arbitrary, right? But one yes. went up. One went down, but then to some degree corrected with the increase in labor rate. Correct. So drive time uh, went up, labor rate went down, but 
as labor rates catch up in your market, then it nets a positive. <laughs> John, what's funny is as we're talking, I'm, I'm like trying to envision all the funny stuff that you're going to do with your hand <laughs> motions and my hand motions. I'm like, this is going to be good. Uh, he's going to have some fun with this. You, you, you've given some of the, what that last episode I was able to chop up. There was some just gems in there. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, and you're not even trying to be funny, but there's just some really good quips in there. If you're brand new to the game or you've been doing this for a while, F you pound sand. That's going to help you make better estimates. Aren't you tired of getting dirt kicked in your face? I am. Uh, everybody's got something to learn. Shout out to our sponsors. Uh, Restoration Technical Institute provides world-class training designed for those who serve the restoration cleaning industries related to the built environment. I am working. Lisa Lavender has been bugging me for a while to put together a course of sorts built around first book my first mediocre book so i'm excited to here's a snippet of what uh we've been working on and that hopefully will be out later this year howdy there partners and intentional restorers the claims estimating process is exactly that an integrated process you'll notice i got my handy dandy cowboy hat from my good friend gordy powell of georgia clean The, the goal here is rising above the status quo and in this course we're going to help you achieve better claims outcomes through better mindset and habits for estimating insurance claims. There are voluntary standards that help to educate property restoration professionals on how to do the work right, the right way. Tools such as this course that assist you in doing things efficiently and then best practices that will help you to do things excellently. A lot of the principles are those that come out of my mediocre book, Be Intentional Estimating. Be Intentional Estimating, the most mediocre book available on the market. There's nothing like it out there. To change your mindset and habits, it all starts with being able to do it right, do it efficiently, and do it excellently. You cannot do it excellently if you cannot... <laughs> oh, God. You cannot do it excellently if you first don't know how to do it right. So I hope you will saddle up, buckle in, because we're going to hit you with some information that is actionable, helpful, and relevant to the modern restorer. Set aside time. You'll never find time. Achieve better claims outcomes for yourself and your team as it relates to insurance claims estimating. The Diojo Podcast. Podcast. You're you're nuts. I'm not sure if you're aware the the Restoration Industry Association just released a position paper on new construction. And so in that scenario, you guys went back and forth, and then ultimately you told the adjuster and the customer, "Hey, our prices are priced. We feel it's fair and accurate." Um, and and the adjuster wouldn't budge, but the 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 client took on the the additional amount something along those lines we 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 advised the client basically tried to educate them of of things that were were and were not in their control and what they had the yeah. right to do and yeah. uh we just wanted to move forward with the project regardless because they want to be back in by christmas this is a job of 2020 so this is last year okay um the, the project probably came fell on my plate i want to say february of the year and we had it done by um just after thanksgiving so it was it was about a nine-month 
full gut project, but we only waited about two months before getting rolling on it because at that time we had done the, the demo, the deodorization, and because the, the scope was agreed on, so we didn't have to hold off on demo and deodorization. Yeah. It was just a matter of the pricing to get the rest of it put back together. So we got that done. And um, then we were at the point where I kind of told the homeowners like, hey, we have X amount of a difference between my estimate and the insurance company's estimate. And you know, you have the right to hire whoever you want. But the adjuster kept saying, well, they can always find a different contractor. They can always find a different contractor. And, uh, Squid game. But, you know, I told them we have a contract with them. We've already done yeah. X amount of work and bid it out. So um, we were kind of at a stalemate and the homeowners just said, you know what, let's just move forward based on the price that you put together and we'll see what we can do on our end to push him in that direction. Ultimately, they got him to come up to about 290, um, but he still was using new construction pricing even though he came up to 290. I can't even remember what they added on. And then they ended up actually paying the difference. Huh. What is going on? What are you doing? You know, this position statement for the new construction, yeah, this is not just a statement against uh, a new construction setting. This is a statement against global pricing adjustments, period. Even if it's contractors that arbitrarily increase their entire price list by, you know, a certain percentage, that's, that's not what we're, we want to encourage uh, as an industry association. That's, it is arbitrary, arbitrary, arbitrary. And so we do not want carriers to do the same thing. And contractors get upset when the carrier side does it. So we need to... Uh, we need to make sure that we're not either arbitrary. So the, let's deal with a few things. The definition of arbitrary. Arbitrary. I thought um, we were in a conversation with Ed Cross and it is a legal term, right? But yeah. based on random choice or personal whim rather than by any reason or system. Right? Arbitrary. Right? So right. like you're saying, that, that that's not what adjusters should be doing, right? The policy should dictate this is or isn't covered. And then um, contractors also, well, I say so, arbitrary and capricious, right, would be yes. the legal term. Arbitrary. You, homeowner, you're the policyholder. You're the one that bought this coverage. You're the one that has certain expectations about what it's supposed to do for you in the event of a claim. And so I, I ask clients that all the time, um, you know, do you feel like this is going the way that it should go based on the conversation you had when you bought the policy. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of times they're like, uh, no. Squid game. You mentioned that uh, you already had a contract with them. Um, is that uh, when you guys do the, the mitigation, do you kind of, is your strategy more lock everything down from the start or? Yeah. So we, we do a lot of board ups. We have yep. uh, the board up contract with the city of St. Paul. Um, uh -huh. So because of that, you know, with it being the state capital, we get a lot of board ups, a lot. Yeah. We're not allowed to market the fire damage restoration side of things until our board up guy is done and walking off the property, basically. Yep, yep. But at that point, anytime we get a fire board up in, our sales guy is on site and he's he's there to just basically tell them how can, how, how we can be of a service and yeah. try and get them into a Red Cross situation and, and whatnot and then see if they want to use us. And a lot of yeah. times that's how it gets it gets signed up on the spot. Um, yeah, yeah. I get spoon fed a lot of fires because of yeah. our sales guy. Uh, he goes out at four in the morning, just the same as our board up guy does. So fire damage chasing or ambulance chasing is some people like to cast it in a derogatory term. Ah! It's comical 
and it lacks historical perspective for anyone to label fire chasing as ambulance chasing or any other derogatory term. Modern firefighting as we know it came out of firefighters literally chasing fires and fighting each other for the right to be paid to fight the fire by the insurance company. What are you saying? What's your source? My source is the Smithsonian Magazine. If you look at our article in CNR Magazine, source number two, Merrimack Fire and Rescue also notes that with bonuses offered as incentives by insurance companies, rivalries ensued between groups. Marked homes and businesses were brawled over while residences on the same street with no fire mark from the insurance company denoting a covered property often burned to the ground. So it's interesting, not only are firefighters possibly the first ambulance chasers, they might also be the first program insurance vendors. <laughs> Makes me want a horse laugh. Do you find the insurance companies leveraging that more to, to steer towards the new construction pricing? No, only State Farm is doing it. Yeah. Squid game. It's very vague and ambiguous, the verbiage yeah. of Xactimate as always. Just because Xactware has a setting does not mean that they're promoting the use of it. Um, but, you know, they're, of course, taking it to it was new construction. Well, fantastic. But, and the adjusters I work with, they know that it can't be done. We're not dealing with new construction. We're dealing with old houses that have a lot of different issues. And just because I'm getting the interior of a house. Now, if, if one room is left intact, it's not new construction now. It goes back to, you know, the remodel price list. Is that the, the justification coming from the carrier? Higher up, yeah. From the estimating review department. What are you seeing? Are you just having to deal with the new construction pricing or have you been able to? No. Oh, hell no. Really oh, hell no. <laughs> I basically tell them, I said, well, I think... Now, this doesn't hold true for everybody in our industry yeah. across the United States. I flat out tell them, if you want me to do that, that's fantastic. I'm going to submit every trade I have to. Because I don't care. My subs don't charge me. They don't charge me any difference with this or that. Yeah. I figure out the hours difference between new construction and remodel, and I just add the hours in at the end of the estimate with really good justifications on why we need it. Okay, so you just add in the waste kind of manually, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, out here in California, our prices are astronomical. Right. And it can be significant. I mean, it can be a $50,000 swing. Yeah. Some of these estimates. Squid game. Are you on program with now, if it's a, Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're on all program with everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You name it, we're probably on it. But I don't think a lot of people in our industry understand, especially when you get to the large losses, is that when I first started, we would meet on site with a local adjuster. They would go yeah. out there. It'd be me and it'd be, uh, it'd be two contractors on site. We'd write our bids. We'd, you know, we agree on the scope. You and your competitor, you'd write your scope, you send it to the adjuster. Adjuster had the authority to settle the claim. She usually settled on the lower one, unless there was a big mistake. And told the homeowner, okay, fine, this guy's lower, but you can use whoever you want. Okay, perfect. Well, it's changed over the years. 
Now the adjuster doesn't have any authority. So my friend Roger Housen introduced me to this term during an interview on the Diojo podcast about insurance appraisals. Hey, the good news and the bad news about now that the adjusters are answering the metrics, so they no longer make any decisions. There, there's yeah. so many layers of decision making above them, yeah. John. That you know, frankly, you're just dealing with. And and I'm not insulting adjusters when I call them a dumb terminal yeah. because they don't. You know everything gets interrupted. Don't assume that the adjuster you're dealing with knows what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. They haven't got a clue. Yeah. Many times. Sometimes having some grace is good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. is. I mean, be aware of that. In fact, I find the less you know, the more self-assured you sound. The motto at the Diojo podcast is helping you shorten your dang learning curve. Shameless plug. The Diojo podcast. podcast. But he mentioned that many adjusters have become dumb terminals and explained this isn't a derogatory term or a slight on their abilities, but rather more of an indictment on the modern process of claims adjusting. Scared people will go, well, yeah, that's the way it is. And I, and they don't want to argue with you, so they shut you down because yeah. they, they know that they can't hold up their end of the argument. And yeah. so I've been shut down more by people that don't know what they're talking about than people that do know what they're talking about yeah. and say, okay, well, I'll engage it because I know... You yeah, know, yeah. I know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. Uh, any of you who have been in the business for an extended period of time can give a clap or a hearty amen. Um, but there's a lot less reliance on people with experience and skills, you know, whether that be building or adjusting or contracting or mitigation. And it's more gone the route of this automation, which is something. We can cry all we want about why, 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 but it's definitely obviously more the route things are going than not. And so learning to navigate and work within that system is very important. Like everybody has a boss. <laughs> everybody has a boss and there's just more, more layers of boss. Yeah. Xactimate pricing is not arbitrary. Uh, it is based on certain assumptions, correct? Right. And, and what they did was not arbitrary. They, yeah. they did look at it. Um, you know, the, the new, construction, new construction setting itself, uh, it, it may be used arbitrarily because uh, you don't want that global change across the board. Yeah. The intent that they have with it is saying, hey, most of these new construction people, uh, they're not paying people to drive to the job site. Yeah. So we're cutting that out, and that's that's not arbitrary. That that is based on you know what what their data is telling them. Most new contractors don't pay people to drive to the job site, um, and then the other would be uh, the additional time that they allow for working in an, in a restoration environment. Well, obviously, new construction would not be based on a, a restoration environment. So in that, they're correct, and it's not arbitrary. The, where we are saying something may be used arbitrarily is when, uh, you know, a carrier may say, okay, we're going to apply the new construction setting. And it, it's, it's arbitrarily doing it across the board, right? Like it's, it's changing every trade when, you know, you look at any white paper that Xactware has, they state, you know, Every job should be looked at specifically on its own merit to determine uh, what that is. These squid games, some customers are starting to rebuttal. There's actually currently a class action lawsuit from March 
2021 notes that states farm use of new construction pricing as a result of this scheme, State Farm has routinely generated estimates that it knows full well to be below the fair and reasonable cost for the reconstruction of the insured's property. Edward, Our friend Edward Cross, the restoration lawyer, has a blog on this uh, from August of 2021. It's Hand versus State Farm Fire and Casualty Company. Have you, have you brought up or are you following that court case in um, New Jersey, the class action lawsuit? Uh, I think it's called Hand versus State Farm, uh, where there's a class action lawsuit against State Farm. Have you noticed it backing off any, or is it still in your area? I haven't. To be there? I haven't seen anything new until they get a court case that yeah. goes against them. I mean, I yeah. even told the adjusters, "You guys are losing court. When this ever yeah. goes to court, you're going to lose." Yeah. Because listen, I'm just doing what they're telling me. <laughs> I'm just doing what they're telling me. I can't do nothing about it. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, customers have at their disposal, obviously getting a bid or multiple bids by contractors. We referenced the article from State Farm stating that that's the best, the most appropriate way to estimate the replacement cost of your home is to hire a building contractor and other or other building rest, reconstruction professional to produce a detailed replacement cost estimate. Um there's great resources from United Policyholders as well, uphelp.org, um, and, and, and things that, that uh, I believe contractors can direct their customers towards. So this pricing position paper, as Katie Smith said, is a way for contractors to say, hey, this is a unified statement from our industry on um, where we don't believe these squid games are appropriate. Um, this is coming from the Restoration Industry Association through the efforts of the Advocacy and Government Affairs Committee. Uh, new construction price settings in certain pricing programs increase labor productivity, which reduces prices in a way that may not be appropriate for restoration. Indirect tasks that must occur to accomplish direct repairs known as supporting events, may need to be appropriately adjusted due to the extent of the damage in a restoration project. Just because Exactware has a setting does not mean that they're promoting the use of it. Sure. And they're certainly not making the decision on each claim that it's appropriate. Sure. That, that is usually the carrier, and that's, and that's what we want to prevent is the arbitrary use of the setting. Right. Uh, just because it's a large job, does not mean it would fall under the new construction setting. Right. Uh, if both sides determine that its its use is correct, you know, take away. Yes, we understand that it takes money off the estimate, and no contractor wants to take money off the estimate. Every single contractor feels like they're just getting beat up on every single claim anyway. So why would I use a setting that takes any money off? Right. Squid game. Factware has not come out with a specific size, dimension, style of home for what uh, they're basing their yield on. So, but our guess is that it's somebody doing this all day, every day, right? That's that's a pretty good yield. Um, so, in most cases, we may not have a full eight hours per trade, and so, in fact, not only. So, and that's in the supporting events. So not only would new construction not be appropriate, but we should actually be uh, recommending to the contractor and the 
uh, carrier that the yield should change so that it's not as productive because it's not giving a full eight hours and it should actually be more expensive. Something universally we should be doing as contractors is when we're getting these rebuttals, uh, these rejection requests that we build a rebuttals library. Um, there's some of these are built into tools like Ask Amy, Actionable Insights has their action sheets. Ben Justison talks about these in his class, Enlightened Restoration Solutions. Talk to a lot of contractors that are doing the same thing, talking about, you know, hey, this is, you've got to present the data, you know, assume that maybe the person requesting for the rejection doesn't understand and educate them properly and say, not in a, at least initially, not in a contentious way to say, the reason we're using the scope this way is because of X. Here's the diagram or the compliance or the best practices, and it shows that this is how it has to be done. Um, so obviously our options are always we can dig our heels in and, and fight everybody um, or, or place the responsibility solely on the customer to get a re resolution with their own insurance company. And it's sometimes that's appropriate, right? Like this is an issue between you and your insurance company. You need to get them to act. You can move forward and hope it all sorts itself out or to agree to do the work for the lesser amount and attempt to supplement. Um, hope is not always a sound business strategy. I know there's a lot of contractors that um, rely on their ability to supplement, and sometimes that does or doesn't work. Proceed with the undisputed amounts while you sort out the disputed sums. What I try to instruct our team members is, let's do everything we can that's undisputed, right? And as long as we can get to it and be clear with the customer, hey, this is undisputed, we're in the ballpark, we're going to get you to X, and hopefully we can continue to interact with all the parties to address these pending or disputed items. Um, but that might be a way to get some, you know, good accord with your customer. Maybe they're not at, at least not st staring at open holes in their walls and those kinds of things, right? Um, and and reach out to us too if if you've got other ways that you're working um, in the trenches and making this happen. But if no um, resolution can be made and the insurance believes that they're being paid less than what their insurance policy should pay, there's avenues such as appraisal, which we adjusted or addressed uh, part one with Roger Housen, who's included in this episode in a previous episode of the DOJO podcast. Um, there's public adjusters and obviously uh, restoration you know, or insurance lawyers who specialize in insurance claims. Um, and the article from Edward Cross is an example of that. I would encourage contractors and um, policyholders to look at un uh, United Policyholders at uphelp.org. Um, but all in all, um, I think this resource from Restoration Industry Association is a good one and a good direction, you know, for restoration contractors by restoration contractors as a way to help us present a united front that we've thought through and are trying to present and, and justify. Again, arbitrary and capricious, right? It's the adjuster shouldn't be able to deny something just because they say so. It should be supported. There should be documentation. Um, and then the same contractors shouldn't be able to charge for something just because we say so. That yes. does not mean just because you customize it and throw a white paper at them that every adjuster is going to cower and uh, and say that it's fine because again arbitrary. You got to be able to support it.
Well, just parking um, alone, right? Like you coming from Moses Lake to Tacoma would probably hate Tacoma. We hate going into Seattle, right? I mean, it's just, and then um, a contributor to one of the latest, you know, books, uh, David out in, David Watts out in New York. I just can't even imagine. <laughs> Can you imagine doing restoration work in New York? I, I couldn't even. Uh, the nightmares that I've heard of, of, things that I would never even think. I mean, yeah, you got to tip the doorman. You got to tip the yeah. the person that's uh, taking you up in the elevator up and down. You may not even be able to use the elevator. So how are you getting those materials up like sheets of sheetrock uh, yeah. and not bothering the tenants? Like you do that, you're going to get thrown out of the building. Yeah. Uh, It was a little bit exhausting, especially towards the end, because we're really trying to push this out because of all the time that we put into it. And condensed a uh, piece of paper. <laughs> and that is that is the other thing is we don't want multiple pages. We yeah. want it so succinct that it's on one page so that an adjuster will actually read it. You right. know, and even at that, even if they don't read the whole thing, that we can at least take an excerpt and say, this is, this is yeah. the real intent of what we're trying to get across. And so I love these position statements. I have used them successfully in my own business. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't, you, you're, you're nuts. I mean, you're asking for just this. Everybody's complaining about the new construction setting or pricing or overhead and profit or what the TPA is doing over here or the TPC is doing. We have the position statements that will help you. The answers are there. And so if you're, if you're not an RAA member and downloading this and, and utilizing it daily in your business, I'm sorry, but you're not doing everything you can to be successful. About the global adjustments should not be done on either side. This is just an example of that. Uh, and finally, we're, we are reiterating software providers do not set the restoration prices or price reductions or, for that matter, price increases, right? That, that should be determined. Like It's fine that they are somewhat of a benchmark. But yeah. every company should be determining their own pricing. And this is established by the software providers. Yeah. They have both uh, had statements out there that, that help the user understand that this is the way that the software should be used. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. When you make one, it is way more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks it's funny. So she'll, she'll watch yours. Annoying and helpful is, yes. uh, is, is the feedback that we got. So annoying, but helpful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, RIA convention coming up April 11th through 13th in Reno, Nevada. 
So open invitation for those of you that would like to hang out with myself and or Gordy Powell. Um, we'll be somewhere on campus with our hats and enjoying uh, some nice whiskey. If you'd like to partake with us, you are. If you see us, please don't be afraid to. I know, I know, starstruck and all, but don't be afraid to come by and 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 welcome yourself on in.